0: drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply.
1: One of the Twin Cities is getting a newly formed Major League Team. CBS's Sam Litzinger. Minneapolis will soon be home to a Major League
0: Quidditch team, an unusual sport inspired by the Harry Potter book series. Quidditch is easy enough to understand. Each team has seven players, three chasers. The Major League
1: Quidditch expansion team will hold tryouts in April. Quidditch began as an intramural sport at a handful of high schools and colleges. Now there are more than 500 teams in 39 countries.
0: Go on, Harry. Quidditch is great. Best game go in the race.
1: Sam Litzinger, CBS News. Mexico's president is doubling the minimum wage for residents living near the U.S. border, part of a plan not only to stimulate the economy there, but also stop people from heading north. President Andres Manuel López Obrador says he sees the border as a place of opportunity to build what he calls economic
0: curtains, not walls. Hearing on CBS News. Ever wonder why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15-minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. I was amazed that I could start having real-life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. woo <laughs> No wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language, like Spanish, French, or more. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Or download the app to try it for free. That's Babbel.com.
2: The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM.
0: Religion, science, myths and legends all point toward the next evolution in human consciousness. What do the invisible realms hold? Who's telling us and how do they know? We're investigating insights from around the world to answer the question, what does the material world arise out of and where do we go once we've dropped the body? You're about to go inter with Robert Wallace and Adam Jeffries to Undiscovered Spiritual Realities.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. It's that special time, folks, when we delve into those things that ought not be discussed too broadly. So hang in there if it goes sideways for you, because I've got a great show in store for you. Uh, This hour, we're going to be discussing the nature of materialism and why and how we lost our spiritual vision uh, in lieu of it. We're going to be talking about the epochs of Earth's evolution according to theosophical and anthroposophical insight and where we are in the chain of events unfolding and yet to come. And also in a little bit, if we have time, we're going to talk about the spiritual components of man. So, today is the festival of the Epiphany, uh, taught by some as the day the three wise men came to Jesus and others as the actual day the Christ came down into Jesus. So, look it up if you haven't heard of it. How you doing, Adam?
3: Man, I'm great. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for yeah.
1: having me on board. I, I'm honored. Thanks for being part of the process. Uh, I want to give our listeners, because this is our first show, uh, background of who we are, cool, and then uh, where our thought process is, where we're coming from, and I think sure. I'm gonna let you open it.
3: Okay. Let's talk a bit about yourself. Okay, cool. So my background um, spiritually is that I was brought up in um, in a family of musicians, who didn't necessarily subscribe to any one religion. Um, uh, my mom was brought up in a Catholic home, and my dad was brought up in a Methodist. And um, by the time that I was a child, they had just kind of not chosen either one, really. Um, So, of course, I heard about Jesus and knew about that. And and in my cultural surrounding, I grew up in western Kentucky. So there were a lot of churches, and and so I was hearing a lot about uh, the Jesus story. Um, But my parents were super open and said, you choose your path. You know, whatever feels right to you, whatever you feel like you believe, you choose that. And I'm grateful for that. It was just uh, amazing to grow up in a family that was so open because I hear so many horror stories of families where they were like you have to believe this and this is the only way and um, so I really got to choose my own path uh, which is a beautiful thing and for me I, I felt like there was something more than the world that I saw around me from a very young age um, but of course you know didn't know what that was and and I had a a very vivid imagination and I and I loved the imagination realm and and playing, and, and I would play for hours by myself rather than with other kids. I, I enjoyed using my imagination and, and creating other characters and things, so um, I was always open to that idea. Um, then I, I dove more into what is this church thing. As I got a little older, um, I had a lot of friends that were like, man, you need to come Hang out in our youth group, and and we need you in our choir at the church. You know that was the big one. We we need to get Adam in church. He does, you know, he doesn't go to church. So, um, and and being in a family of musicians, they knew that I sing and play instruments. So they're like, come come play in the in the church band or sing in the church choir. And I did that, and I ended up in youth group. And um, long story short, I ended up um, believing the Jesus story pretty intensely and mostly because not just because my friends did in the peer pressure thing. And, um, there was this moment where, you know, they're like, okay, you've got to believe in Jesus or you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And it's like, Oh, you know, that's terrifying. Um, that didn't feel right to me, but I was scared. Um, so fear was my first motivation to go, well, I, I better believe in this Jesus guy. But then as I started reading about him, I was like, I actually like this guy. He's what he's saying seems true I mean this stuff about forgiveness and unconditional love and and um you know and he, and he really seemed radical i mean even to me I, I was watching you know in my imagination watching him uh, among these religious leaders and he's breaking rules and he's doing things that that they are like you know what is this guy doing so he he didn't come across to me as this um you know this pious man that that's almost unattainable he he came across as very human and yet very spiritual, you know he, so he's meeting me where I am, and I'm like, "Man, okay, so this Jesus guy seems very true to me." so I, so I, I became very true to that path for a long time. Um, many years later, fundamentalism kept burning me. you know it was like, I don't know that I believe what you're saying about hell specifically, you know that if certain people don't believe certain things they're going to burn for all eternity, that doesn't feel like love. that doesn't seem right to me. But again, prayer seemed very beautiful to me. And meditation, you know, seemed like, man, this imagination realm from my childhood is still real. It's not something I have to let go of. But in fact, as a musician, this is the place that I come to and write songs. I, I meditate, and, and suddenly I have this idea for a song that comes into existence. So now here it is in, the, in what we call the material world and it didn't used to exist you know from our mindset maybe it was mm-hmm. in another realm and i went there mm-hmm. and brought it back you know and i hear a lot of other artists say that and so um i guess long story short i, I let go of the fundamentalism thing i did get a degree in theology and I, and i worked at churches for a while but i just continued um to butt heads with people and to get burnt and um get called a heretic <laughs> <laughs> Um and again we were talking about that a little before we started that that was hurtful at first you know people would be like oh you know you're you're talking about things you can't talk about you know you're you're asking questions you're not supposed to ask and I'm like well in the bible they were asking tons of questions you know I mean the, the psalms are nothing but questions mm-hmm. you know these people engaging god they're like god why where are you You know, and they're asking these questions, and and that's how it seems to me that they're advancing. And if there is this relationship with the unseen, with with God, Um, they're actually advancing through the questions. You know, so I have lots of questions, and that's part of why I'm here. I have a a wide open mind. Um, Love and unconditional love feel very true to me. The imagination realm as reality feels very true to me. I've had experiences there through meditation. Um, and, and bring, like I said, songs to life and reality that, um, that I feel have healing power in people's lives. People tell me they do, so I believe it. Um, and so I, I do believe there's more than what we see here in the material.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And that's what this is all about, is yeah. uh, keeping an open mind. And a lot of what you were saying reminds me of what Jesus said, that unless you become like a little child, you shall by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven Exactly, And what we learn through these sorts of esoteric teachings is that our native state, our initial state, was a state of connectedness to the spiritual realms. That through epochs of time, humanity has fallen deeper and deeper into the state of materialism, where the material realm has become more dense and opaque than that spiritual realm. So even though the spiritual realm is still all around us, we can't see it. And so it's through going back and having that open, spiritual, childlike mind that we can return back to those realms. Yeah. That's where we're going. So that's really inspiring. And I'm uh, glad that you're on the same sort of open-minded journey, and I know many people listening today are too. Uh, A little bit about myself is uh, I grew up Catholic. I went to a Baptist uh, uh, church for a while, I spent time at a Methodist church and with Pentecostal uh, churches. Um, I went to a uh, Seventh Day Adventist church for a couple years. I studied uh, Buddhism and some of the New Age philosophies and things like that. I uh, worked uh, as a staff member at the Church of Scientology for a period of time, um, and uh, my teaching, my uh, the teachings that I followed and the questions that I was asking kept bringing me back to, kind of like you're saying, hitting my head up against a glass ceiling at whatever institution I was in. So there's only so much that the people there were able to tell me. And so then I had to go someplace that had the next level of answers. And that's kind of what's driven my spiritual journey, location to location. And so uh, some years ago, uh, around four and a half years ago, I decided, because I had a lot of spiritual experiences growing up, um, just randomly going either into a, a vision through prayer or meditation or some other spectacular happening. And I'm listening to the scriptures talk about, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Right. And I realized at that moment I've been separating all of these so-called spiritual experiences because they didn't have a place in my church experiences from heaven. And I realized that is part of heaven. These are indications and peripherals of those heavenly planes. And so I said, I am going to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so immediately upon doing a search on YouTube, trying to find some information that was going to concretely connect the spiritual dimensions with the kingdom of heaven, I came across an audio book that was posted called How to Know Higher Worlds by an author named Rudolf Steiner. And that book had a profound impact in my life. Cool uh, meditations in it uh, had immediate effects, which uh, told me this is this is the path. And his uh, teachings of anthroposophy uh, are really about Christian consciousness. They're a spiritual esotericism. Uh, there's a, a bunch of ways you could describe it, but uh, ultimately it comes down to spiritual independent spiritual investigation. Uh, through the development of our, our souls. Uh, there's various means and practices to refining ourselves so that way we're not so connected to the five senses, which is actually where the lust of the flesh, the appetites of the flesh and all that are dragging us down. And so if we can rise above that, spiritual realities come into view. Awesome. I think um, our first discussion should be around this idea of maya as an illusion. Maya being the Sanskrit word, I believe, I believe it's not Hindi, I think it's Sanskrit, yeah. uh, for illusion. So the table in front of you, or the, the wheel in front of you, everything seems solid. Uh, science tells us it's a dense coagulation of atoms and molecules, uh, which is one way to look at life, but ultimately it's fruitless and... Uh, It's not going to get to the root of actual causes uh, because what we start to see in these interdimensional uh, phases of consciousness is that these are all spiritual beings who have densified themselves, who crystallized themselves enough in this dimension to look like still inert, dead, uh, objective material. But in fact, that is just an illusion.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting to me is even when you look at that like from what we call the scientific realm, which I think has a I, I think that does have a lot to offer us, if you look at it with an open mind, if you don't look at it as, okay, um, you know, this this checklist, but you say, what are those atoms and molecules exactly? You know, what is it that we're studying when we look at that? I mean, because to me, I feel like we're getting into the spiritual realm. You're getting into things that, that a lot, you know, quantum physicists, the things that they discover, they're like, wow, we, we don't know a whole lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they, they, they are discovering things all the time that I think that what they're getting into is the spiritual realm. You know, then you get into these things that are just so little or even out in space that are just so big that you can't really um, put them in these boxes. And I think that that's what happens with churches, too. There's a parallel going on because the churches, they just try to box things up and say, you know, this is the way that it is. And this is what truth looks like. And it's like truth is bigger than that. You can't hold it in that box, whether it's scientific or religious or denominational. Truth is too big for our boxes, you know, and so. The, these atoms and molecules, you know, that's what we call them, but I feel like what we're really studying is the spiritual realm. You know, they're trying to study it scientifically, but you're looking at spirit, you're, you know, that, that, that manifests as matter, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that makes sense on both. You know, I go, well, the science of that actually makes sense spiritually. Mm-hmm. Everything is spiritual
1: mm-hmm.
3: manifesting before you a, as what we call reality.
1: And, you know, it's not a big secret, especially in, in the Christian circles. I think a lot of times we think of these sorts of ideas as being part of a spiritual woo-woo sort of, you know, new age reality. But even the Bible says, be still and know I am God. Absolutely. And the thing is, everything around us looks like it's still. But as soon as we still our minds from its movement, the still things around us begin to move themselves and come alive. Mm-hmm. So it's that whole Zen sort of idea that uh, our minds are like a pond, and we don't see the reflection of the sun while there's ripples on the surface of the pond. And it's instilling our mind that we still the surface of the pond, and then we see a reflection of the sun above us.
3: Mm, Such a beautiful analogy. That's awesome. Yeah. Very good. And, you know, you were talking about Jesus talking about the kingdom, and one of the things that hit me profoundly when I used to study um, so much in, in my theological studies was, you know, if you look at the Greek, always Jesus is talking in the present tense. And so much of what I was taught before that is Jesus is talking about somewhere we're going to go someday, you know, this this heaven place, that's the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus was speaking in the present tense. He was talking about something that you experience now. Mm-hmm. You know, so this kingdom that he's talking about all throughout, you know, you you must become like a child if you're going to enter the heaven Presently, you know the Greek is is very adamant. But he he's saying right now, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven and experience it now, he said the kingdom of heaven is near. It's among you. It's mm-hmm. here now. Inside
1: of you and around you.
3: It's here now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so a lot of people they're like waiting for the pie in the sky someday. Yeah. But right now Jesus was saying right now. You know, two thousand years ago he was saying right now, experience it now, and it, and it continues to be, you can experience the kingdom of heaven now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. You know, again, even Jesus said these things, you know, because a lot of people go, well, th- what you're saying is not what Jesus said, and it's like, it's actually exactly what Jesus said. It's just, if we're paying attention to it with an open mind rather than, I, I can only believe what I've been told from my traditions. You know, well, there, there, I'm sure there's a lot of truth, and I do believe there's a lot of truth in all the traditions and in all the boxes that have been set. There are truths there, but they might be leading to even truer truths, mm-hmm. bigger truths than the Absolutely. boxes, you know. So, and I think Jesus was all about that. He was shattering the boxes of his time already. You know, 2,000 years ago, the, these were these boxes. He was breaking the laws and he was shattering those boxes. And people were like, what are you doing? You can't do that. You're a heretic. You know, we're well, you can't do this stuff. And he was like, I have to. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That I'm the Christ that's been in all of these religions all along. Yeah. You know, that, that you when you find truth there, that's me manifested as a human, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is going to quickly, uh, we're going to have to take it in a direction uh, that might be a bit jarring for a lot of people, but it has to be said in order to make sense of the overall big picture, and that is the subject of reincarnation. Yeah. A lot of Christians, uh, and most Christian churches, don't have that on the books as a doctrine anymore. It used to be part of uh, early church beliefs. It's a part of most every other religion in the entire world. It really is the only explanation for our purpose here, what the segment of life is even worth. Yeah. And, uh, and as far as being able to answer the questions like, where did we come from and where are we going? So, yeah. you know, general spiritual esoteric studies paint a picture of eternity outside of this life. And it basically is like this. Anything before this life, life between... Your prior death in this incarnation, where we go in higher states of consciousness and where we go after we die, these are all the higher spiritual realms of uh, divine life. They are ethereal planes. Uh, There are what's called astral planes. There are what's called devakonic planes, which is our uh, Sanskrit equivalent for heaven, plane of the gods. And uh, these are realms that we go to when we leave our body at night and we're sleeping, uh, where we go and have those dreams that we can't remember when we come back from. And these are the places that we return to when we die and unpack these worldly experiences in the presence of angels and the hierarchies of angelic beings. And so it's become uh, almost taboo to bring up the subject, but unfortunately, there's just no way to continue the discussion if we leave that important point out, so yeah. being more classically theologically trained, obviously,
3: yeah. Well, again, I come back to Jesus because he referenced it, and he he referenced it. Um, again, you have to keep an open mind when you look at this, you know, because he, he referenced it directly as if it was just an own thing, kind of like you said. The those early church, the the early church fathers knew it they they it wasn't up for debate they just it they, they it wasn't um a, a topic of taboo then you know they they Jesus talked about it like, yeah, everybody knows you know he 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 spe- he said specifically John the Baptist is Elijah, you know because they said you know they they challenged Jesus i don't know if you remember this story, but they you know they were always challenging Jesus, the religious leaders of his day they were like you know well the the scripture says that that Elijah has to come again before the Messiah, you know, or before the Christ arrives on earth, and uh, Jesus said he has. It's John the Baptist.
1: Mm. And there's another uh, event that occurred in the Bible when Jesus and the apostles were walking through an archway, and there was a beggar begging for alms, and he was blind. And the apostles asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? hmm And instead of rebuking him for the apostasy of this, you know, idea of reincarnation, he said, in this event, he said, neither, but for the glory of God, that he should be healed. But I think that gives us a little window and insight into the minds of these people who walked with Jesus. Right. They believed in reincarnation. There you go. That would have been the first things they would have known not to have said, walking with Jesus, were that so. So, another example.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And And I think that they're... Are probably a whole lot more, but that's a good starting place, you know. And a lot of people will probably try to say, "No, that's not what they're saying," you know, and they'll say, "You're twisting what he's saying." And the thing is, is I I stopped them there and I go, "Wait a minute, don't don't try to look at who's twisting what. Look at what he said, just simply, and, and keep your mind open, keep your heart open, and just ask the question: What what was he saying? He very specifically said, "John the Baptist is Elijah. He he's he's here again."
1: What would you yeah. say to people who, <laughs> uh, then bring up the whole, it's appointed unto men once to die. And then, uh, <sighs> oh, scripture, I mean, yeah. like, people bring that up. And I, and for me, there's just so many ways to, you know, uh, quickly treat that subject. Like, sure. In every incarnation we do die, you know, right, until right. we don't, you know, until maybe a man attains that Atman, that higher, higher state of being. And, you know, uh the rare people who have attained that state already, you know, they ascend like Jesus with taking his physical body up with them and all.
3: Yeah. You
1: know, I haven't
3: actually studied that specific one on the language breakdown side of things, but I find a lot of times that when you do that, it opens new truths, And that, that's what a lot of people in our society are are lacking. Sometimes when they, when they go to the Bible, they're reading an English translation um, that has been translated from texts that were originally stated 2,000 years ago or more. Um, And then they were in either Greek or in Hebrew um, or maybe Aramaic, you know. Um, But then, you know, over the years, the translations, as the old saying goes, a lot can get lost in translation and does, I I believe. Because what happened for me, a big part of my journey was when I started studying Greek in in college— new windows and doors were opening like crazy. I was like, wait a minute, look at the tense that he said that particular word in, or look mm-hmm. at, you know, th- this brings a whole different context to what Jesus was saying, or to what wh- whoever was teaching in in that specific scripture or whatever was saying. Um, and there's probably some truth there. Like, I, I don't know for sure, but I would say that what you're saying about each specific um, experience of death, it's appointed for man once to die. Well, maybe it's appointed for that manifestation of man to once die and then hit a new experience. You know, so or it's, his
1: carnal self to die, that his higher self can be born up out of it. Right. You know, maybe in the broader scheme that's what that
3: Sure. Means. And and that's the the spiritual truth that if you really broke down the language more, I, I'm sure that you could even look at it that way. Um and, and it reveals even more spiritual truth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. another thing that comes to mind is the idea that of all languages, some say that English is probably the, the coarsest, most simple uh, language having so few words to describe things uh, from uh, other languages that have you know, multiple times a word. So they can speak on finer gradients. Yeah. They can speak more concisely. Absolutely. Whereas we have to speak just ever so slightly more generally word by word just because we don't have the language.
3: Absolutely.
1: Exactly convey what they're saying yeah and I think another important point is ancient writings written by the prophets and the seers and and whoever, especially thousands of years ago, they were all in different states of consciousness than we are. true. Um, we have never been more point. embroiled, more uh immersed in materialism mm. than ever, and so mm-hmm. the way people thought and and spoke back then doesn't exactly compute word for word. Right. For how we communicate these days.
3: Absolutely. That's such a good point. And that, that, I think that's another thing that a lot of people miss when they come to uh, an English translation of the Bible now, or wh- whatever they're reading, you know, what, um, theology or whatever, um, is cultural, societal, historic context you know because people talk about keep things in context keep things in context well there's a lot of context going on here mm-hmm. you know i mean 2000 years ago like you're saying that consciousness was very different uh, awareness was very different the things that they were talking about and they took for granted when they said it they thought of things very differently than we do so yeah i think there's so much truth to to recognizing what h- how important context is in the conversation
1: yeah um we have a interview today i had to pre-record it with dale because he was going to be unavailable for this uh, slot but dale brunsville is the reader of over 200 Rudolf steiner audiobooks and they're all available for free at rudolphsteineraudio.com and that is probably i have probably 30 something browsers on my phone open to that but one <laughs> book or another because it That's is awesome. absolutely my favorite site in the world. Um, and so I will, uh, I think we should play that interview, and, uh, and we'll come back after that and uh, say goodbye and tell you how you can find us uh, at the Spiritual Realities Facebook page and other places. So I've got Dale Brunsfeld on the line here. He's the reader of uh, many Rudolf Steiner audiobooks. Uh, last time I talked to him, it was somewhere around 50 days' worth of audio that he's been recording since 1985. So uh, I'm honored and excited to have him on today to talk about uh, his project and uh, some interesting details of Rudolf Steiner's philosophies. How are you doing, Dale?
2: Good, good, good to talk to you, Robert. Yeah, you too.
1: So uh, would you mind taking a minute and just uh, introducing... yourself, kind of your history, how you got into anthroposophy, which is the spiritual science, uh, as taught by Rudolf Steiner, and uh, and what it's been to you.
2: Sure. Um, So, I guess we're talking about a spiritual path, and so I must have had an inclination towards such a thing, you know, most of my life, I guess. And, you know, as a kid, read people like Carlos Castaneda, Carl Jung, Gurdjieff, You know, various new age ideas, I suppose, for a time. Until as I got older, I focused more on philosophy and mathematics, which I'd been studying. And in a graduate philosophy course, uh, I ran into the work of Steiner through one of the fellow students in the class. And realized that I'd really found something deeply important for our time. And it was only 100 years old. By then, it's uh, Steiner's work, you know. Uh, really started in 1900, and uh, he died in 1925. So in a very short time of 25 years, he produced uh, a, just an unbelievable amount of work, both theoretical, shall we say, but also, and more astonishingly, uh, practical. And that's the amazing thing, that's something that we would otherwise think of as only a spiritual set of ideas, ooh ah, that I'm going to enjoy in my own private life and become enlightened, you know those kinds of orientations that we all know people have. We had somebody saying, "Oh no, the spiritual is actually that which gives life, meaning, and real wisdom to our uh, undertakings on the earth, and we've lost it, or we have it now in weak, diluted forms, simple belief systems that we try to rigidly follow in order to to kind of." Keep some of this wisdom in hand and he said you know we we can't even do that anymore we have to become really self-aware in what we're doing we can't just blindly follow things and so he then gives the examples that he does I let me just talk about those just for a second Uh, the in education we have the Waldorf schools or the Steiner schools so for those listening to this I'm sure they've heard of those and those were started by this man Rudolf Steiner in 1919 as well, uh, in agriculture, there was such trouble with pests and various kinds of diluted soils that Steiner was asked to help with that, and through his spiritual investigations, came up with biodynamic agriculture, which is a worldwide movement now, though no one would know Rudolf Steiner was connected to it. He also did this in medicine, and there's uh, pharmaceutical companies that people have heard of that were started through Steiner's ideas and indications and even methods he suggested, such as Waleda such as Dr. Hauschka's products, Walla, Uriel Pharmacy, all these things. So just to kind of touch on a, such a massive subject, I thought I'd mention those things. Oh, okay, I'm done with that one. <laughs> those are great examples.
1: Uh, as you uh, know, I just got back, actually, from Dornach, Switzerland, where I visited the Gertianum, which is the headquarters of his spiritual movement. Uh, and it was a, uh, an amazing visit and uh, met up with a, a Facebook friend who lives over in that area, um, ah! Goddard. Um, and so, yeah, I know that you <clears throat> have been there three times now. And uh, how, how long have you been visiting there? When,
2: when did you start? Oh, I was lucky enough. My, really, I probably never would have gone there, but I had the good fortune in my life of marrying a wonderful woman. <laughs> 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 and uh, she, uh, she had a sister, in fact, who lives in uh, Germany. And who live close to the Gertianum, and in fact is a, a in, as we call the ourselves, anthroposophists. It's a funny sounding word until you say it a few times. And then people who try to study Steiner's work and, and take it into their hearts and souls as much as they can. And so she would take us over there a few times. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, so that started, I suppose, in, uh, 92 was the first time I was there. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, great. I appreciate uh, that background. It's good to connect with you on the Gertianum, and I'm excited to get to some of the uh, tactical, uh, specific kind of questions about anthroposophy. Uh, uh, Also, can you uh, again mention how long you've been recording these and about how many audiobooks you have available at rudolphsteineraudio.com?
2: Thank you. Thank you, Robert, for mentioning that. I do forget that. I did... I did start recording uh, Steiner in 1978 uh, and that was because of just friends and I had cassettes and I made copies of the books driving in the car and then I had them and I had a few maybe five or six books at that time uh, that I would recopy onto cassettes as the cassettes would die and then the internet shows up and so the mp3 idea so I transferred them onto and then it, it's when I started to see the Internet develop, and I'm 62, I should mention to everyone, so I saw this sort of blossom into the world in in, in, in that way and sort of tried to keep up with it as best I could so that uh, it, it became a strangely beautiful, natural process whereby around 2005, I realized, well, you know, I've got all these books recorded and nobody's doing this on the web, so I wrote to the... Uh, publishing houses that published Steiner, and asked if there'd be some way that I could just put these up on the web site for complete free freedom, they don't have to register, they can just come and download and listen to whenever and whatever they want. And they decided uh, in their generosity, and I will say their names, steinerbooks.org is in America, and rudolfsteinerpress.com is in England, they gave me permission to do this, And uh, since 2005, it has really become a love of mine and a blessing, I must say, in my whole life. And I, I think I'm approaching of Steiner's 365 collected works. I've done about 200 of them. Wow. So that's roughly where it is right now. And it's just a joy and something I do whenever I can, mostly once a day at least. And it's uh, given me uh, more blessings than I can ever imagine describing, so <laughs> I'll leave it there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've spent uh, uh, many, many hours listening to your voice uh, in my car, and uh, his writings and your recordings have had a, a massive impact on my life and spiritual development. So I just want to thank you for that, and uh, and I'm glad we can talk here today about this. So I think the first thing uh, I think we should talk about is uh, Steiner breaks down the evolution of Earth's history um, and the epochs leading up to this one and where we're going. Uh, could you speak to that? Uh,
2: so, Robert, let's do this instead. That's a great question, of course. Uh, let's, let's, let's just for a moment uh, imagine what's, when Steiner was asked, well, what does anthroposophy really mean? And Steiner said, well, it's a, an it's a understanding of uh, through the wisdom through the spirituality and the wisdom in the human being of finding the spirituality and the wisdom in the world. Okay. So it, for just a moment, let's actually look at the human being as Steiner saw him, which we would say, well, why would you have to do that? Right? Everybody sees each other. And, uh, right. That should be pretty, pretty easy. Is it okay if we just shift this just a little bit? Oh yes, please. So what, what the heck is a human being? And, uh, You know, you and I, we look at each other, and what we see are essentially just a physical body, right? And we see a bunch of activity in that physical body. Oh, cell division. okay. Oh, and there's moving blood. And we say, okay, well, those things are telling us that we're alive. And really, if you think about it, there's not much of a depth to that observation in our lives generally. I think it's our culture, the way we're raised. We just say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're alive, yeah. And then we hear each other speak, and we have understanding and anger and happiness and all these manner of feelings, and we see that we're conscious. but we go, That's about it. We don't spend a lot. Maybe in psychology we'd study it a little bit. and then, it, But it's all rather vague and shallow. It, it, at least I'm going to say that that's how it appears after you begin to study anthroposophy. Yeah, those things aren't wrong, but they're so vague and shallow that, gosh, what an empty life we live, in a way. So... Somebody like Rudolf Steiner comes along who has, uh, let's say this, he has an enlarged field of sense-based phenomena. He's able to see the sense world that you and I see, but he also sees in a, a, a way as concrete. This is going to be strange for people who are listening to this. This is not belief. This is not in any way thought up by somebody in fantasy or imagination. It is, in fact, phenomena from organs of perception, let's say, that are called, we'll call them spiritual organs of perception, where they receive information from those sense organs, and then think uh, through what it's giving them, and enlarge and deepen their understanding of the world. And so, Steiner, to me, from all the studies I've done, I'm, I'm not a massive scholar, but I've done a lot of it in my life, nobody touches him. He's done this with a naturalness and a clarity that's just awe-inspiring, and as we said, really has even created institutions on, on the earth that tens of thousands of people work with that are bearing fruit. So Steiner says, okay, let's look at the human being, and he says, you know, we see this physical body that we have. Well, what about it, he says. Well, first of all, you, this thing you think is a physical body is in fact dissolving all the time. You have, you're losing your pancreas about once a day, so you're, there's something building your pancreas back up again. Otherwise, you would just fall to dust. Your liver, every seven days or so, is got to be rebuilt because it's falling to dust. Your whole... Body is replaced, all the cells are replaced approximately every seven years, especially in the early years of your life. So, even you and I saying we have a physical body, we're in fact living in an illusion. If we were really careful, and this is the thing about Steiner, he was so darn careful about what he was seeing and what he said about what he saw. And we don't, we're pretty lackadaisical and easygoing about things, and he wasn't. He was a scientist, a rigorous, disciplined scientist about these things. He said, And here here the clairvoyant in him speaks and says, there is, in fact, a, a set of forces, they are cosmic forces, that are called life. And when those forces enter into the body, they create cell division. They create all this activity going on in our body. And instead of seeing those forces themselves which we're not able to see, they're invisible because we don't have organs of perception to gather their sense data up. We instead look at the shadows on the wall and we see cell division. We go, life! And we see all these things happening in our body and go, life! But what we're seeing, Steiner argues, is we're seeing the results of life and not life itself. Mm -hmm. And, And there's... Once that's kind of acknowledged as a possibility, I'm not telling people obviously to believe any of this, it becomes very fascinating because that whole world of life forces has its own destiny, has its own story and history throughout the history of humanity that is in a way separate from us. And Steiner shares that history and enlarges your understanding of the world immeasurably. So we have a physical body, we have this, let's call it a life body, he also calls it a body of formative forces. He also calls it an etheric body. He says, and you look at the plant realm, and you see, of course, there's the plant realm. It's the mineral kingdom, which we have, but then it has these life forces permeating it. And that's all it has, as far as we can tell, whereas we're so much more than that, right? But we have at least that much. And then he goes on to talk about sentience and consciousness that we see in the animal realm. And what that and that that is another different set of cosmic spiritual forces penetrating the human being and the animal realm, but not the plant or the mineral kingdoms, and manifesting in those realms, in us and in the animals, with sentience, with consciousness, with pleasure and pain experiences, with an inner life, etc., 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 right? And that world has its own history, has its own destiny throughout eons of time that Steiner then shares with us uh, as well. And then finally, and I'm sorry, this is so compacted together, I hope people understand that we're talking about 20 minutes here, but, but we have in the human being, finally, let's say for now, not only this ocean of consciousness that we live in with the animal realm, right? This massive ocean of awareness and sentience and consciousness. But inside of that, it appears to us, as far as we know so far, without arrogance, by the way, is any of this being described or highfalutinous, we found ourselves in this ocean of consciousness. I am and I am. I became aware of myself as an I being. And Snyder says, and in this we see really the, the crux of all of creation. All of creation wanted to come to the point where an awareness would be produced that could reflect all of creation to itself. So I look out now at sort of the end of it all and see creation and go, oh, there's creation. I am recognizing creation. And this is all part of something much bigger, but it's a beginning. And then he describes these I beings, you, me, all the people we know, these individualities, as in fact, he says, being reincarnations that go through lifetimes, gathering experience, giving, taking, growing in freedom and love as an ongoing creation of something we haven't really discussed yet, a divine spiritual world that's populated by divine spiritual beings who are working on uh, this creation in an ongoing way; it's not finished at all. Okay, I'll sh- I'll stop there. I feel so <laughs> constricted by our time frame.
1: But, uh, I know. And was uh, that was
2: that just too overwhelming? Do you no, think that that was we amazing. just blow everybody away?
1: <laughs> okay. I love it, and you did a great job because, like okay, you said, good. it is a very uh, dense, loaded sort of question and subject matter, and uh, that's what this is all about: the spiritual realities, uh, the spiritual worlds, and that's what his teachings ultimately build up to uh, the development of clairvoyant spiritual faculties to perceive those dimensions and uh, and the kind of knowledge that a person needs to attain to make sense of it once they get there. Uh, so we only have a couple minutes left, and uh, I think you really did a good job answering how we evolve into a spiritual, uh, or how we're evolving into spiritual beings uh, capable of attaining this spiritual destiny. Uh, I want to talk briefly about the mystery of Golgotha, and I know this is another very loaded subject, uh, but its significance as taught by Steiner um, because the subject matter itself leads us to spiritual realities, but this is a very uh, important matter that a lot of people, Christians, uh, don't have uh, as deep of an understanding of because spiritual science just isn't that prevalent.
2: Yeah, and it is a toughy. I, I hope someday we can talk again because uh, these each of these things we've talked about easily could uh, do an hour and we wouldn't even, we'd be more we'd be less tired at the end of the hour <laughs> than we were at the beginning <laughs> just because the l the, the, the ideas are so rich. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say this then as best we can, that in the mystery of Golgotha as Steiner sees it is again and I don't want to sound impersonal, because in fact, in this particular case is not impersonal at all, but nevertheless, I think this side needs to be described is again, uh, cosmic forces that are coming to the Earth. Whoa, what's that? Right? Isn't this a person? Yes, it is. And so we're speaking of a being so sublime, so exquisite that let's say <clears throat> that it is the Sun in the Trinity, the Christ being the creator God of the universe itself. And this being, in the way that evolution was occurring, again, a story I hope we can share sometime of the evolution of the Earth, that there was a dying going on, that the Earth was going into middle age and old age, as all living things do, they pass into an older time. And in the wisdom of the cosmos, this being, and I'm going to say it this way, this is me talking, bent down and designed a body on Earth That could withstand its presence. And when the time, when the fullness of time, right, came, that being incarnated into that body, and by doing that deed, not by a teaching, because if you study the Bible, really you'll find all that wisdom in the Hindu scriptures, in the Buddhist scriptures, all the stuff that comes before. So, really, Christianity is not a teaching, we could argue. Steiner argues this. It is, in fact, the description of the good news. The deed of Christ, which brought new, revivifying forces to all, to the soul realm of humanity, and continue, and allowed our evolution to continue. And this is very different. We all think, no, if you don't believe in, in, in Christ, you're going to go to hell, and all these kinds of sad, deteriorated things happened in the evolution of humanity. And that's just, I don't want to judge anyone when I say that, but in 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 comparison to reading Steiner and studying these ideas, there, there is a shocking difference in the two. So I just wanted to mention that. I don't know if that helps us at all, uh, Robert, get anywhere with that, but that can be kind of a teaser for people Absolutely. if we get a chance to speak again. Yeah,
1: good. those are good talking points. Okay. And uh, we are Ending, uh, at the end of the interview, there were some more things I want to talk about regarding some of the auxiliary exercises and things that uh, we'll probably have to wait to next time because I think I'm going to have you on uh, often.
2: Oh, I would love that. And and, and again, uh, it's so wonderful that you're taking this initiative on. It's Uh just a real important thing in the world. Thank you. Thank
1: you for being on. All right. Well, thanks, Dale. And again, anybody who's interested in getting the uh, recordings, they can go to rudolfsteineraudio.com, and uh, just look up Rudolf Steiner, you know, pick up maybe How to Know Higher Worlds, and uh, and that could have a life-changing effect on you like it did Indeed. on me. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Dale, for
2: your time. A a- and day-day. welcome back to the States. I wow. hope we get a chance to talk about that more later on. Definitely. I look forward All to right. it. Thanks a lot. You guys. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye.
1: All right. That was a a great interview. I always love talking to Dale. Uh, He's so full of insight and uh, full of anthroposophical knowledge. Uh, So uh, we're going to close out the show. We had a great time here today. I just want to encourage anybody who wants to follow up uh, to go to uh, NewPrecept.com. You can follow us uh, at Spiritual Realities on Facebook and uh if you're interested in being featured as a sponsor you have any questions comments anything like that you can email me at robert at new dot com that's robert r o b e r t at new precept n e w p r e c e p t dot com
3: cool Adam? so um yeah if you if you'd like to check out what uh what i do in the world um i make music and and i do everything with my wife Christy, um she and I, we we write songs together. I, I'm primarily the the songwriter, but she sings with me. We started a duo a few years ago um, called Three Day Flight, and that has evolved into more of a, a what we call a musical collective. So a lot of other people play music with us. Um, we'll have string players or guitar, drums, and that kind of thing. Um, so we have full recordings. Uh, we would love for you to hear. You can download them or stream them free um at 3dayflight.com you could also if you use spotify or iTunes or any of that stuff it's there as well um but again that's 3dayflight.com um and then also we uh make food here in memphis um in in the midtown area at a cafe called imagine vegan cafe and yes we are vegan but don't be scared of that, because my wife is brilliant, and she knows how to make amazing tasting food. It's not all rice cakes and quinoa and things you can't pronounce. It's, uh, it's comfort food. Um, and trust me, it's delicious. It's a big part of how she even opened my mind to the idea of um, vegetarianism first, and then eventually veganism. And that's how Robert and I actually met, was at Imagine Vegan Cafe.
1: That's right. And, uh, you know, I moved here to Memphis uh, from Dallas, becoming vegetarian uh, some years prior. And one of the things I missed the most was some of those meals that uh, were just like Hooters chicken wings. You know, the most unnutritious <laughs> thing in the world is the thing I missed the most. And uh, their drumsticks, they, with that barbecue sauce, fit the bill, and everything there. The spaghetti is the best spaghetti in the world. So... My dad thinks so, too,
3: the, about the spaghetti. It, yeah. It's his favorite spaghetti he's ever had, and he's not vegan at all. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a meat eater, and he eats mom, that yeah. spaghetti, and he's like, that's that's some of the best spaghetti I've ever had. Yeah. So that, yeah. Christy would be grateful for that compliment. Well, yeah, you. definitely.
1: <laughs> well, I think, um, uh, yeah, that is great. In the future, some of the subjects that we will be broaching are going to be More of some of what we've been talking about, more in-depth on the epochs uh, or the stages of Earth's evolution. And it sounds boring, history and things that seem inconsequential today, but they are very interesting because you, my friend, are a reincarnated being. You were alive during those periods, and you were going through different stages of evolution. And uh, it will make a lot of sense to you as far as why you are the way you are what faculties you have underdeveloped, that you're developing, and that you uh, will uh, develop and appreciate in the future. And it's a, it's a big part of the story of where we're at. And uh, we'll talk about the parts of man, the ethereal body and the astral body and these other elements that compose our spiritual beingness. And these are also vitally important if we're going to understand what the seers and uh, clairvoyance are seeing in the spiritual dimensions. I've had some amazing spiritual interdimensional experiences, which is what prompted this whole study and uh, even this show. It's not a subject which is brought up or talked freely on because there's a lack of experience uh, for a lot of people, and then it's also a taboo because it's considered realm of fantasy. But uh, I believe a lot of listeners have had Spiritual experiences that either they can't explain, whether it's a loved one visiting them, whether it was a, a vision of some kind, and in the future we're going to be taking calls and in discussing those sorts of things, and you know making this a public dialogue. Cool. Come out of the shadow, spiritual people. We have got the floor.
3: Absolutely, and I think there are so many people that that have, like you said, have these experiences. Uh, Whether even just emotional, you know, they're just overcome with emotion, not even necessarily a vision or anything, but they're just overwhelmed with what they feel and they don't necessarily know how to put words around it just yet. You know, and they they don't know all of these different realms that you're talking about specifically by name and by word, but they've had the experiences and Mm -hmm. they just don't. And so they... Hopefully, um we can keep it real too, and invite people to that conversation and say, "Where are you at?" You know you don't have to know what any of this stuff that we're saying Absolutely. means specifically, but just tell us what you've experienced yeah you
1: know? this is a study in comparative religion, and we're all using uh, different words and uh, different systems of teaching in order to explain and express these sorts of things and so I try to study a little bit of everything and hopefully I can correlate where you're at and where I'm at together. And we can all share in the same sort of spiritual feeling that occurs once in a while in a person's life unexpected. Absolutely. So, uh, we are closing off the show again. This is a, a great show. I'm really honored to have had your time for as long as you've been on. We will see you again next Sunday at 11 to noon, Central Time. Uh, you can listen to us at uh, kwam990.com. Uh, we're on 107.9 FM, 990 AM. You can follow us on Facebook, again, at, at Spiritual Realities. Do a search for that. Uh, and visit my site, newprecept.com. Uh, and email any suggestions, comments, um, anything that's infuriated you today uh, to <laughs> robert <laughs> at newprecept.com. So, God bless, and we will be with you again shortly. Thanks, Robert. Thank you, Adam.
2: KWAM, your news and information station with CBS News updates every hour on the hour. KWAM Memphis.
0: CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Theraworks Relief.
1: I'm Gary Nunn. President Trump left the White House this morning for Camp David, telling reporters the solution to the government shutdown is simple.
2: This shutdown could end tomorrow, and it could also go on for a long time. It depends. It really depends.